involved in community groups. That's an important part of us to continue to grow and create community amongst us, but also, too, that we would become the body of Christ in our community and that they would see uh, Christ's love in and through our lives. And so uh, this is going to be hopefully a beginning part of some new ministries that God has placed in your heart and you weren't even aware of it yet. And so we'll see that develop. All right, pull out your outline. Let's have a little fun here and then we'll get serious. So there's a few slogans I'm going to read to you and you guys are going to guess if you win, um, you get nothing. And uh, if you lose, you get nothing as well. So I'm going to read it. Here's one of the slogans. We've got several of them. Here's one of the slogans. The happiest place on earth is Disneyland, right? Okay. How about this? Let your fingers do the walking. Yeah, remember, remember that? <laughs> it was like three lifetimes ago. Uh, this isn't a company, but it is a slogan. Outwit, outplay, outlast. Sir, okay. All right. Little, little, little. <clears throat> Here's another one. Uh, save money, live better. Which is it? Walmart. Okay. You're, you guys are like, I don't know. All right. Next one. American by birth, rebel by choice. Harley. Harley. All right. Yeah, the first the first group they had like five guys that are Harley riders are like. So I told them they had to trade it in and get Kawasaki's. <laughs> if you don't know the slogan, you can't ride the bike, right? And then here's some uh, some fun ones that I put in uh, just for for sake of uh, having a little bit of laughter before we get serious. And the first one is, can, I don't know, can you see it? It's kind of pixelated. <laughs> Budget burial, cheaper and deeper. Is that awesome or what? And here, here's the, in the internet, beautiful. Uh, then here's another one. This is this is definitely for me. Night quill, slip into a nice coma for a few hours. That's definitely me. And then one that didn't get put in. I'm not sure. Eric must have edited it, so I'm going to go ahead. So anytime that he edits something, I have to actually say it. All right. So it's it's for those of you guys in construction, and it's a uh, secure uh, safety sign. It says. We've upped our security, so up yours. <laughs> now, I know in church you can't say security or safety or whatever it was. So, anyway, that was kind of fun. So, that didn't make the cut. So, anyway, you like that one the best, right? That and the cheaper and deeper. All right. <clears throat> so, if you go ahead and open up your program and let's, let's start looking at today's, today's lesson as, as we kick off. I, I think one of the dangers that we live in is, is a time where... Um, we have taken Christianity, and you know I don't like to use that word Christianity, I like saying Christ followers, and we, we've taken it and it's become a slogan, right? So we have a lot of slogans, we have a lot of Christianese that we use, and the reality is, is words are cheap, actions are difficult, would you agree? Right? It's easy to say to somebody, hey man, God loves you, than it is to actually show them God's love, Right? And so this series is really pressing you guys to really look hard at are we living out the message of Christ in and through our lives? Or are we just kind of throwing up slogans and, you know, and, and Christianese to really satisfy our spiritual development? And that when we think that if we just say things, that that will be enough. 
look at St. Francis. He said this at the top of your outline. Preach the gospel all the time, and when necessary, use words. It's pretty good, isn't it? All right, when necessary, use words. Look at in your, in your outline there. <clears throat> what the world sees, and this is for us in the, in the body of Christ, should be consistent with what we say. So if our actions aren't in line, then we have problems. We'll look at branding next week. That's a big thing for corporations. You know, they have branding, and they want to make sure that their branding is appropriate. As believers, you know, we have a branding, but is it consistent with what it really should be in our life and as we move out, all right? So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to kind of skim through uh, some of it, and we're going to look at how we begin to build God's message in and through our lives, because that really becomes an important part of being the message. So John, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, here's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, that Word is Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, he was with God in the beginning, all right? So, so here, as John writes into a culture, and I would say that it's kind of similar to our culture today, he writes into a culture, and you got it in your outline, the Greek philosophers, the Logos was impersonal. Right, so so they they would believe that there was a creative force, and they and they would believe that there was a a source of wisdom, but as far as it being personal, they weren't so sure about that. They thought that there was a distant God, and they could embrace that, but it, as far as it being personal, they're not so sure. And so as John speaks to them and he writes into the culture, he brings it and he says, listen, the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 2 it says, and he was with God in the beginning. And when we read that in the English, that that is obviously that Christ always existed, but it's even deeper than that. It literally means face-to-face, a real person face-to-face with God in heaven. And so John's goal is to take an impersonal God and bring him down for them to see and to recognize that Jesus left heaven. He came to this earth to become a personal savior. And his message and his love, he wanted to demonstrate it out as he walked the earth and as he lived his life in front of the folks in his day. Okay, so do we got that in our mind? Do we want to keep going? You want me to keep giving you more illustrations? Or we got that in our mind? All right. So he speaks into this idea that this Logos is a personal God who is ultimately, we'll see in a moment, who's going to dwell among us. And again, they have this idea that there's a creative force, that there's a sense of order, but we're not really sure that it's a personal God. You know, when you look at people out in our communities and in in your families, they'll say, I believe in God, but when it comes to the personal side of it, they're not so sure about that. They believe that there's a creator and a sustainer, but it's kind of like, eh, not really so sure about it being personal. And this is where God, John begins to kind of hone in and begin to attack. Verse 3, through him all things were made. So you can imagine they're standing there, he's talking, there's the landscape that he's speaking, uh, speaking and they're looking at. He says, through him all things are made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4. For uh, uh, in him was life. And that word isn't bios, meaning that it's the physical life. It's zoe, which means spiritual. All right? And that's kind of important to to get. And that life was the light of men. Verse 5. The light shines in darkness, 
but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That's John the Baptist. Verse 7, he came as a what? To testify concerning that light. The light that is the light of men that flows from the Zoe, right? The spiritual side of it goes on. So that through him all men might believe. Verse 8. He himself was not the light, speaking of John. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness, right? Only as a witness to the light. And we'll, we'll stop right there, all right? And then we're going to skip down to verse 14. The word witness is a legal term, all right? And there are two kinds of witnesses. Uh, I've, I've been subpoenaed to court uh, because I witnessed an accident, all right? And I had to go in front of the whole court, and they had a little uh, figures, and I had to say the red car and the blue car and the intersection, and this is what happened, right? There's the witnesses, and that's what this is. That is just, you are an expert of what you've actually witnessed. That's it. But there's also expert witnesses. And an expert witness is called in by the defense or by the prosecutor, depending on the situation. And they're going to come in and they're going to talk about the DNA and the blood splatter and all this other kind of stuff. And they are expert witnesses according to their profession and so on and so forth. In this case, this is just simply that John is saying, I am a witness, not an expert witness. I am a witness of what I've personally experienced in my life. Okay? And that's important to understand that we are not necessarily theologians, but as John writes, he says that we are just simply witnesses of what? Of the light of men that flows from the life, the Zoe, right, of Christ. We are simply witnesses to that. All right? Now skip down to verse uh, 14 for sake of time. And it says, But the word became flesh and made his dwelling, and that word means tent, to pitch a tent, all right, like camping. He pitched a tent among us. Remember, what were they struggling with? They were struggling with this God that wasn't personal. And he's saying, he, in, the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and that word ended up coming and dwelling, pitching a tent amongst us, living actually among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, and we're going to see this next week. So John is saying this. John is saying, I'm a witness, okay? I'm not an expert witness. I'm just simply an it, a witness of what I've experienced. What I've experienced is his life, his message, and his love, okay? We got our mind around that yet? We got our mind around that? Yeah. All right, in church, you got to talk back a little bit, all right? John chapter 14, verse 16, skipping down. If you have your Bibles, you can flip a few pages. Here's what he says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you for how long? And what is that? The Spirit of Truth, or the Holy Spirit, as we would know in, in church today, right? And he is the, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Last part of the verse, very powerful. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you, okay? Keep tracking here. So Jesus says, John says to a world 
that, that, that believes that there's a God but not really sure about it and all this other stuff, that he's come personally down here. He's paid us a visit. He's God in the flesh. He's dwelt among us. He's pitched a tent. Jesus lives his life, and as he gets ready to depart, he says, hey, when I leave here and I go into heaven, I'm going to send another counselor, and it actually means the same as, right? I'm going to send a counselor, a Holy Spirit, into the life of the believer and in the life of the believer, that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, is going to be with you, and it is going to be in you. Okay? Chapter 15, verse 26. And when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth goes out from the Father. He will testify about, and this is Jesus, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit is going to be testifying about Christ. All right. Now that spirit that is with us, that spirit that is in us, is going to testify about Christ through us. Are we tracking okay? And just in case you didn't understand, in verse 27 he says, And you also must testify, uh, for you have been uh, with me from the very beginning. Okay, so let's again come back and recap. So Jesus, as John, John writes, right, it's impersonal that Jesus is going to come. He's going to dwell among us. He's going to take on the form of a human. He's going to have flesh and blood. He's going to walk amongst, among us. He's going to pitch his tent in our neighborhoods. And he's going to walk am- among us. And then as Jesus gets ready to leave and he ascends into heaven, he says, and I'm going to send, I'm going to ask the Father to send the same Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is going to dwell in you. It's going to be with you and it's going to be in you. And it's going to testify about me. Now you must testify about what I have to say, okay? Now look with me in your outline. Jesus' life message is the gospel, and we are the witness to that life message today. Jesus is the word. The word is the gospel. Christ, the word, lives in you. And I should have put therefore. Therefore, we are a billboard for the gospel of Christ. You tracking okay? Jesus came as flesh and blood, not words. Okay? He came as flesh and blood because he wanted to relate to people that they could experience him, that they could understand his life, his message, and his love. Not in words, in action. We are the body of Christ. As believers, the Spirit of God lives with us. The Spirit of God lives in us. The Spirit of God is with us and in us in order for us to testify about who He is. You must testify. Not in words, but in action. You are to take an invisible God and bring flesh and bones and blood to it in action. Now here's the big pushback. And as I kind of thought through this process of where the churches are today, and in our church to a certain extent as well, is we, we, we are so hypersensitive that when we talk about doing things that we want to say, you know, you don't work your way to salvation. You don't work your way to salvation. You don't work your way to salvation, right? But as a result of that, we have become less doers and more learners and talkers. Talking is cheap. Talking hasn't solved anything. 
You ever argue with your spouse? Did it work? There's typically a behavior that needs to be addressed, right? Maybe that behavior is to clam it up, right? But talk becomes cheap. And I think oftentimes as, as, as followers of Christ, we just think that if we just speak in Christianese, that that satisfies, that that's enough. Hey, God loves you. Hey, I'll be praying for you. And, that, and that's good. I mean, that's great that you say that. But are you going to actually show them in action of God's love? See? All of a sudden now it gets kind of, what game's on? Right? It gets like that. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not really so sure. So when we are able to recognize that our life, and we're going to use this as kind of a visual, when we recognize that our life is a billboard, right, and on that billboard, God is going to give us a unique message through, and we're going to go through how he gives us that unique message so that we are able to share, not just in words, but in deeds in our life to bring visibility to an invisible God and to begin to work in and minister to folks in our life. And when you recognize your unique message, it becomes very powerful in your life because now you have meaning and purpose. And again, so often as believers, it's like, what's God's purpose for my life? What's God's pur- purpose for my life? And it's, it's hard to define for lots of folks. And so how does he begin to build that unique message in your life? Look with me in your outline. Your life message, and we're going to unpack this over the next couple weeks. Your life message is a unique message of Christ to the world. So how does he begin to build that in and through your life? Let's take a look. So how do you discover your life message or bring your life in alignment with it? Number one in your outline is that you are to listen for God's whisper, okay? You are to listen to God's whisper in your life. And so we have a silhouette behind. We're going to be build, begin to build into that person's life kind of how God begins to develop the message that he wants us to live out in, in, in our life. There was a prophet in the Old Testament that was discouraged and needed to hear from God. And so God had directed him, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to King, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11. I'm not going to read all through it. I'm just going to kind of highlight it. But anyway, God tells him, hey, go out into, the, and out into the mountains, into the presence of the Lord, and the Lord will speak to you. And God sends, not really, but God allows a powerful wind to tear apart the mountains. And the scripture says, and God was not in that. Okay. Then he allows an earthquake. We're all familiar with that. And the scripture says, and God wasn't in that. And then he allows a fire, and we're certainly aware of that recently. And the Bible says, and the Lord wasn't in the fire. In the last part of the verse, look what it says. And after the fire came, a gentle whisper. Right? See, oftentimes in our life, we think that God is going to speak with this big, bold, kaboom. But in our life, God oftentimes speaks to us in a gentle whisper. And in order to hear a whisper, you've got to turn off the noise of everything else going around in your mind and in your surroundings. right? And, and I would describe this to you. 
that the, the whisper that I'm trying to, to, to bring out to you is that it's that kind of that sense in your heart, maybe for something or someone in your life, that it just kind of, it's just kind of a nagging, you're not able to shake it kind of thing in your life. Or maybe God places a person in your life and you're, oh yeah, I'll call him later, oh yeah, I'll call him later. And every day it's just that little kind of just, hey, you haven't called him, hey, you haven't called him, that gentle whisper, right? For someone being called in the ministry, it's as if a man desires, uh, uh, desires to be an overseer or presbyter, he desires a good thing. And that word desire means just kind of that inner uh, small voice that you can't shake, right? And for me, being called in the ministry, there was a time where I couldn't shake it. In fact, a, a, a pastor friend of mine told me, hey, if you could do anything else, Dan, don't be a pastor, right? And that wasn't a way of, of trying to say that I wasn't going to be any good at it. He, he just wanted me to say, don't do it if it isn't for you. But I couldn't shake that gentle whisper that every day I would wake up and it's like, Dan, you need to do it. And every time I would go to bed, it was like, Dan, you need to do it, right? And so in your life, you have to be cautious, uh, you got to be alert to that gentle whisper. And so one of the challenges that we have that's going to be part of the series is for 21 minutes, and it's going to be focused on 21 here, for 21 minutes, for 21 days, you will practice that gentle whisper where you will just tune everything out, that you'll be silent in your prayer time, that you'll allow God to speak into that gentle whisper into your soul. And as part of that, there's 21 chapters in the book of John and the gospel of John, and this whole series kind of covers through the, the gospel of John. And so 21 minutes for 21 days, and you read the 21 chapters in the gospel of John. And that's part of the, the idea of listening to God's whisper in your life, all right? So as he builds your billboard and he begins to develop a message, you need to pay attention to those gentle whispers that God is speaking into your life. All right, we tracking okay? Second one is this, that you recognize your sacred shout. You recognize your sacred shout. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Would you agree with that? See, and here's the danger. The danger is none of us like to spend much time in the area of our pain, mess-ups, and screw-ups. Would you agree with that? In fact, we want to flee from it as quickly as we can. Now, we're not saying that you need to hang out in that wrong behavior, but you need to embrace that that is part of who you are. That is perhaps the way that God touched your heart through those choices and through the things that you've done in your life. Back to John chapter 1, verse 14. Look what it says. It says, and the word became flesh, right? The word became flesh. Now think about this. Part of John's point is that, that they recognized that there was this kind of supreme being thing, but it wasn't a personal one. And so John kind of highlights it, and he says, listen, the, the Logos became flesh. He took on the form, face-to-face -face with God, left heaven. He came and took on the form of a human, the frailty of a human. And we know that because later in Hebrews, he, the Hebrew writer would say this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. 
So we don't have a high priest that's like, hey, I don't understand. I don't know what your struggles are. I mean, the, the, the point is, is that we have a high priest who came to this earth and, and that he wrestled without sin because he doesn't have a sin nature. He, he wrestled with the same types of struggles that we ourselves struggle with. Now, hold, hold on to this. Your greatest connection with the world outside is going to be primarily through your pain, your screw-ups, and the mess that you had in your life. Okay? Your greatest connection is going to be through that. And so if you imagine, if your life is a billboard, if you just took all the, all, all, you know, your failures and so forth, and you, you removed it from that part of, the, of, of your billboard, you would miss the most powerful part of your story. And so you have to embrace that. You have to recognize that it is simply just part of your life. And I happen to believe, actually, that when we embrace it and we use it for God's glory and God's kingdom, I actually believe that God heals us in a greater way. I think that when we suppress it and we hold it back, I actually think that it causes us not to heal like he wants to heal us because it is part of who we are and he wants to use all things for his glory. And when we elevate it, and not that we make it, you know, oh, look at I did all this wrong in my life, but when we elevate, hey, this was part of who I was, but let me tell you, God got a hold of me, his Zoe, his spirit changed me, it's a part of my life that I'm not necessarily happy about, but it's made me a better person, and I use it to reach out to other people. We're going to see this more next week as, as, as we develop this. In your outline, don't hide from your pain or your weakness or your failures and mistakes because so many times it is the mess that God takes and turns, uh, turns into your life message. And so you need to make sure that you recognize that and that you understand that God is, use, is going to use that to cut through the noise of this crazy world that we live in. The reality is if you're an adult and you've come to Christ after you're 18 years old, the majority of those people who've come to Christ after they're 18 come to Christ through some type of tragedy, some type of illness, some type of painful experience. Okay, If you don't use that, to reach the world, you're missing a lar the largest part of your story. Now, if you grew up in church and, and God has set you free from that and you didn't experience all the shin knocking that I experienced in my life, you know what? Your story is, I am so grateful that I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and I followed his word and I followed his way. I didn't have to crack my shins like Pastor Dan did. But if you want to come and hear his story, he'll be happy to tell you all the crazy things that that guy did, right? So you, you still have a story, but you bridge that into that God spared you from that stuff, right? So you make sure that you use it as, as part of your story. Look what Jesus says in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, 5, verse 31. Jesus answered them, and he said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, right? You ever go to the ER? Right? No one's in there like, I'm perfect, right? Their arm's broke, they got blood coming out of places, right? Because you go to the ER because you need a doctor, right? And so, G uh, and so Jesus is saying, hey, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
And then he says, I have not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. So why wouldn't he take your story, your experiences of hard knocks, and use it to draw other people in to his kingdom? And again, I know the temptation is, the temptation is I just want to flee from it. But the reality is, is that you've taken your billboard and you've wiped the major part of, if you come to Christ later in life, a major part of your story. You've just eliminated that. And the world desperately needs to hear that through his grace and his mercy, he can take broken people and turn them into a beautiful creation. Amen? Right? Number three. The third thing is this. You've got to embrace your holy disturbance. Okay? You've got to embrace your holy disturbance in your life. And that is, the things that bother you needs to move into action in your life. Right? It's not enough to sit around and say, the marriages are failing, it just makes me sick to think that people aren't making a commitment. It's not enough. It's not enough to say there's too many young children who are being raised without fathers. It's not enough. It's not enough to say, you know, that that, that the students, the children in today's world are much more off the hook than I was, and I was a punk. It's not enough. You have to allow that holy disturbance in your life to compel you into action. The gospel is not words. It is a person. And he came and he lived a sinless life. And we are the visible body of Christ of an invisible God. And we are to be compelled into action. And it's not enough, folks. And this is part of how you know we, we, you, you sit back and, and you look at our culture and you look at what's going on and you're like, are we ever going to get back to the good old days? Well, let me just tell you, after you answer your phone, well, let me just tell you, the way that we're going to make inroads into the culture is through people, and primarily through younger people. And if we want to make inroads into our culture, we've got to be willing to go. Otherwise, I can tell you exactly what's going to happen. Next Sunday, we're going to come back and we're going to tell the same stories about all the things that are going wrong in this world. And there's people that aren't, and then there's no fathers, and the marriages, and kids, and this and that. And then, you know, there's robbery, and the kids are packing heat now, and blah, 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 right? And then we're going to come back the following Sunday, and guess what we're going to say? Same thing. And 10 years from now, guess what we're going to say? Same thing. Because words aren't enough. We've got to allow that holy disturbance in our life to move us into action. Look, what, uh, look, look in your outline. Disturb us, O Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves. You ever feel that way? When our dreams have come true because we dream too little. When we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Played it safe. Just talk words. We never really went out and took, took action and really went out into the world. We just sat around and we just talked about it. I feel good about that. I mean, there's people that don't have drinking water. Oh, we need to dig wells. 
Let's just pray about it. Oh, Lord, pray that you'll dig wells. When are we going to do something? Right? I mean, this is the whole point of the series. And my hunch is, is as we go through, attendance will drop. Think I'm kidding? Verse 14. The word became words. What did it become? It became flesh and blood. And this is the, the message translation. And moved into the neighborhood. Right? That word that is dwell, to pitch a tent. Right? So Jesus took on the form of flesh and blood. It wasn't words. He took on the form of flesh and blood. And he actually came and he moved into the neighborhood. And we are the visible body of an invisible God. And we need to move in to the neighborhoods, right? But see, here's the pushback. I I fall in the same trap as you guys do. I watch the news. I listen to what they have to say. And I feel overwhelmed. And, And my thought is, how in the world can we do anything? I mean, it is just too large of a problem for me, for us. And so guess what we do? Nothing. We do nothing. Because we feel like if I can't make a huge impact, we're going to do nothing. In your outline, you can do more than nothing. Right? You can do more than nothing. You may not be able to dig all the wells. You may not be able to touch all the, all the children that don't have a father figure in their home. You may not be able to save all the marriages but you can do something, right? You, you can do something with that holy disturbance in your life that compels you to do something. So let me share with you. This is one example for me. 18 years ago, there was a huge study that, was, that came out on marriages. And the study said that if, if a person goes through 13 weeks, not eight, not six, not three, 13 weeks of premarital counseling, that it elevates the chance of success by 20-something-odd percent, right? And they had done surveys and studies and so forth. And I read this. And at the same time, there was an epidemic, both in the church and out of the church, of marriages that were dissolving. And so I made a commitment. I couldn't save all the marriages. But I could save and could help the ones that were in front of me. And so I made a commitment that in... In our, in, for me personally at that time, I was associate pastor uh, and, and now as a senior pastor, that, that this church will provide 13 weeks of premarital counseling for free and we will invest that into the life of the people who are going to get married. Because I, I, we can't, and I say I, and I don't mean to, to you know, be boasting, but I, I recognize that I can't save all the marriages. But the ones that come in front of me I'm going to give them the best foundation that I possibly can. Right? And as a result of that, believe it or not, in 24 years of ministry, there's only about five marriages that have dissolved because of divorce. Right? I, I can't do it all. And, I, and again, I'm not saying I, but I can do something. And that was the one thing that I wanted to do. And as I shared in the early service, it's not that I needed any extra things to do. Because, and again, I'm not complaining, 
But if, if I spend a couple hours a week with a couple, that means that I got to do two or, two or three hours on the back end some other time. Because I still got to do this. I can't come in and go, hey, I met with five couples this week. No message. <laughs> Maybe I can. I don't know. Maybe you'd like that. Maybe you're like, well, I'll try next week, Dan. That'd be great. In fact, let's just leave now. And the same thing for you. And this is what you, this is what you need to get. This is what you need to get. It, it's that whisper, that nagging, that experiences the good, bad, and the ugly in your life. It, it is that holy disturbance that you have in your life that God is going to compel in you to do something for his kingdom. Okay? And if you sit back and you kind of go, well, what is God's purpose and what is God's plan? Let me just say, if you listen to that whisper, you look at the mistakes and the messes that you've made in your life, and you pay attention to that holy disturbance in your life, that burden that you have in your soul, I would simply say to this, that would be an area that I would start looking at in my life. And my hunch is, you are going to find God's will with your unique message and your unique experiences for you to move forward. And you don't just sit and talk about it, but it actually compels you to do something about it in your life. And then the number two in your outline is that you love the one in front of you. And we're going to hand out uh, wristbands next week that has that in, in, in your, uh, you know, to serve as a reminder. And again, I, I couldn't save all the marriages, but the ones that came in front of me in this church that said, hey, I'd like, to, I'd like for you to do the, the wedding or to have this church do the wedding, I, I, could, I could love the people that were in front of me. Right. And, and so it's true in your life. You know, you sit back and you say, you know, you read about the kids that are in elementary school packing heat and all this other stuff. I mean, it, it, it's 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 crazy. Right. Well, let me let me just share with you. Let me just share with you. You, you. We sit here and we go, how can I do anything? Well, let me tell you, on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Sunday. They're here. You don't even have to go anywhere. They're here. And on Sunday and on Wednesday in the back in the children's area, there's a hundred of them. You want to make a difference for the culture? Invest in their life. You, you don't even have to go down the street. You can just show up the same place, get a donut, drink a cup of coffee, and go back and invest in the kid's life. If marriages, if you're burdened for marriages, I don't know if you figure this out, but every Sunday they show up. Right? And, and parenting... Right? If you're burdened to help young parents become better parents, you know what? Every Sunday, they show up. You, you don't even have to travel. You can just show up and invest in them to love the people in front of you. And, and again, my prayer is, and this is a little bit of a risk for a pastor to do, but my prayer is two goals. One is to get you in community groups, and two, to light a fire under you, because I believe there are some great ministries that this community needs to experience, and you're sitting on it. And it's not my job. My job is to equip you. It's your job to do the work of the ministry. And God has placed in you a burden in your soul. And you need to step out and believe and go for it. And as you step out and, and believe and you take the little steps of obedience, you know what? God is going to reveal to you all the things that you need to do in and through and for Him. 
And, and so as, as we just kind of think through this, uh, this process and as we get ready to wrap up, folks, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that I believe that there are some great ministries that are going to start, be started because of this series. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. We are, some translation says, we are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus. You mean with us and in us? Yeah. Created in Christ Jesus to speak with tons of words. I know some of you are thinking, that's what you do. (laughs) This is really convicting, right? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You know, Romans uh, chapter 1 talks about that the, the earth cries out of an invisible God. That there is a visible God through creation, right? You are created in Christ to bring flesh and blood to an invisible God. You are his workmanship. That we are to go out and bring flesh and blood to a world that desperately needs to hear of his grace and mercy. And we're it. And just just as John says, listen, (laughs) the Logos is going to come and he's going to dwell amongst you and there's flesh and blood in his life. You're going to see that it's personal. And then Jesus leaves. He says, the spirit is with you. The spirit is in you to do what? To testify about me. And we are to go out and not speak words, but we are to go out and we are to make the invisible God visible by what we do. So it's not enough to talk. It's not enough to talk. If the culture is going to change, it's going to change because of the church, the body of Christ, being ignited and on fire for his kingdom. We can't make an impact. No, that's silly to think that. I mean, only 12 in Jesus' day. Why would he think that however many we are would be able to make a difference? How foolish that would be. Really? There are people around you and in your life that desperately need to not hear, but to experience his love. And so as you think through this series, and I pray that you guys come back next week, that you take the challenge. That you take the challenge. This is going to be hard-hitting. There's no two ways about it. When we're done, we're going to talk about four ways to be happy, and it'll all be good. But this series is going to be hard-hearing, hard-hitting, right? But and just hear my heart. If we, if we think marriage is important, let's invest in it. If we think children matter, then let's invest in it. If we think that there is hope for addicts, let's invest in it. If we think that Jesus is the answer, then let's believe it. And let's allow that kind of spirit and that can-do attitude to flow in and through our lives. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to look at 
right? The challenges, I want to encourage you to take a hold of it, right? Some of them are going to make you feel really uncomfortable. Some of them are going to be fun. But give it a shot. 21 minutes in the morning or afternoon or evening with God, right? 21 chapters of the, of the Gospel of, of John for 21 days. And if you're not in a part of a community group, on the way out, be a, a chance to jump in, into a community group. We have some, still some of them that are open, and we want to encourage you to do that. If you want to start a group, you're welcome to start it, even at this late notice. Yeah, if you have a few people that you think would like to go through it, hey, we'll get you hooked up, all right? Now, one last push, and then we're going to pray. The book, all right, the book is a kind of companion of the, of the study. It's not a must, but it will be helpful, all right? And in here is, is going to be some things that are going to help you with your quiet time and whatnot. And some really good stuff in here about how you find Jesus we, through all of the, 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 the New Testament, Old Testament as well. And so it's just really good stuff. Fifteen bucks, you can grab one on the way out, all right? Let's, let's pray. Father, I just uh, believe that you've placed this series on our heart months and months and months ago to use it at a, as a catalyst to start some ministries for our community. And Father, I pray that your spirit will speak loud and clear into our hearts and that, Lord, we will not just push aside those, those, uh, that impression, that guidance, that direction in our life that will actually respond to it and that we'll be obedient to it. Lord, we know that your desire is to, to reach a community that desperately needs, and Lord, we want to be part of that works to do that, to reach out, to make a difference in our community. And Lord, we just uh, ask that as the weeks and days go ahead, that uh, your, Lord, your spirit will speak to us, that you'll motivate us, that you'll bring us back excited to grow and to take those steps of faith that you've placed in our life. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, I mentioned that.